Welcome to Credo, with me, Father Andrew Eburn, to the podcast journeying through the various articles of the Creed, the fundamental statement of our Catholic faith. Last week we looked at God the Father Almighty, the second line of the Creed, and today we move on to the third line, Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. What are we affirming? What are we agreeing to when we say these words? You may remember, at the very start of Jesus' ministry, he goes out into the desert, and there he is tempted by the devil, in a way quite cunning, even subtle temptations, in which the devil is clearly trying to tempt Jesus to turn against God, but also to become a less authentic version of himself. So sometimes it's useful to ask ourselves, what would the devil try to tempt me with if I were trapped in the desert with him? And there are obvious things he might offer us, like money or celebrity, freedom from anxiety about material things, But actually, as I say, the devil can be quite subtle in his temptations. I think one of those subtle temptations that has really, in a way, become embedded in our own culture is the idea that you can make your own life. That you can, for example, be whatever you want to be, if only you believe in your dreams. And like all dangerous temptations, there's a kind of attractiveness to it on the surface. If I work hard and follow my dream, I'll be happy. Now, when the devil tempts Jesus, he wants, as I say, to turn him against God, to switch his loyalties. And this is what we call the sin of idolatry, worshipping something that is not God. And you can see lots of examples of this in the Old Testament when, for example, the people of Israel worship a golden calf, or when they offer sacrifices to the Canaanite god called Baal. But in the case of this modern temptation I'm talking about, the idea that I make my own life, follow my dream, etc., there is another example of idolatry, of replacing God with something else. But actually, what I'm replacing God with is myself. I'm in charge of my life, my life which is this wonderful creation which I have fashioned through hard work and dreaming. In this approach to life, I have replaced God with myself. Okay, so in the creed, when we profess God as creator, God the maker of all things, we are making a really important distinction, and this is the distinction. God is the creator I am the creature. I am the created one. So I am not, in that sense, going to create my own life. I'm not going to have a wonderful dream of what my life might be and then work jolly hard to make it happen. God who created me already knows the best life I could lead. God, if you like, already has a dream for me and God's dreams are far greater than mine. So my job is rather to discern his plans for me, the only plans that will make me happy, and the only plans that will lead me to become the most authentic version of myself that I could be. St. John Henry Newman writes about this in one of his meditations. He says, God has determined, unless I interfere with his plan, 
that I should reach that which will be my greatest happiness. He looks on me individually. He calls me by name. He knows what I can do, what I can best be, what is my greatest happiness, and he means to give it to me. However, St. John goes on to say, left to ourselves, we should take the wrong way. We must leave it to him, put ourselves into his hands, and be sure that he will lead us right, that he will bring us to that which is not what we think best, but what is best for us. So God is the creator, and I am the creature. And if I forget that and put myself first, I will go very wrong. This, by the way, is one of the great fundamental truths set out by the book of Genesis, the account of creation in the book of Genesis. Now, I know some non-Christians can be dismissive of the book of Genesis, but this is often simply because they don't understand the kind of text it is. The book of Genesis lays out the most extraordinary and profound truths about creation, about the relationship between God and man and between men and women, and some of the greatest minds in Christendom have written extensively on those truths, whether that's St. Augustine in the 4th century or, or Pope St. John Paul in the 20th century, writing about the theology of the body. Really worth reading. The book of Genesis is not, however, a, a textbook on quantum mechanics or particle theory, and you're not going to find that kind of information in it. Just as uh, in the same way, for example, uh, the play of Hamlet, uh, Shakespeare's play of Hamlet, contains truths about the human condition, and then uh, the Norwich to London train timetable contains truths about when trains arrive and leave. Both uh, of these are expressing particular truths. But you can't use the train timetable to learn about the human condition, and you certainly can't use Hamlet to get to London. It's just, it's just not going to work. So the book of Genesis uh, contains, as I say, extraordinary truths about creation, not about quantum mechanics. And one of those truths is these. There is a fundamental difference between the creator and the creature, which we have to recognize in our own lives. Otherwise, we end up turning ourselves into our own God, which will not end happily. Now, moving on to the second half of this proposition, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. What does of all things visible and invisible refer to? So, here the creed acknowledges the reality of the invisible world. God has created both the visible and the invisible world. And in fact, we can go back to Hamlet, if you like. Hamlet, who says there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. So there are visible material beings such as beetles and sparrows and, I don't know, jellyfish. And there are invisible spiritual beings such as angels. And then there's us in the middle, human beings who uniquely have both a physical and a spiritual life and belong to both the physical and the spiritual world. All of these created by God. Now, uh, one of the set of heretical beliefs that the Nicene Creed was combating was Gnosticism, uh, an esoteric belief system which maintained uh, that there were lots of divine-type beings who were somehow independent of God. 
In fact, we still have Gnosticism today, or rather a kind of revival of it, because heresies often re-emerge under different guises. You know, there aren't that many original ideas in the world, so the old ones just keep coming back. Anyway, there's a kind of Gnosticism today which we see in New Age beliefs. So you might hear someone say, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in angels. You know, that kind of thinking. But angels are created by God, just as we are, and angels are a reality created by God, just as we are. The word angel literally means messenger. It comes from the Greek angelos, or messenger, so that uh, uh, the angel only exists, if you like, as an extension of God. In fact, Jesus speaks about angels in precisely this way. Now, Jesus says that they always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. They always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. So this is the beautiful thing about angels. As purely spiritual beings, no matter where they are, they are always in the presence of God. And Jesus is actually speaking specifically here about guardian angels. So my guardian angel, to whom I regularly pray, is both with me and with God at the same time, which is why angels are such powerful protectors. Pope St. John Paul II uh, used to encourage people to pray uh, the traditional angel of God prayer to their guardian angel, and you may well know this prayer already. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to watch and guard to rule and guide. So this is the prayer to pray to my guardian angel who is both at my side and simultaneously at the side of God. When I was in prison, when I was a prison chaplain, I was powerfully aware of my own uh, insufficiency and inadequacy. You know, prison, if you've ever been there, really is or can be a great ocean of human misery. And I was very much aware of my insufficiency in the face of that. So what I used to do, I used to pray the angel of God prayer every time I unlocked a door. And you can well imagine there are a lot of locked doors in a prison. I think in the prison where I was serving, there were 11 locked doors between the prison entrance and the chapel. So every time I unlocked and opened a door, I would pray the angel of God prayer. And I will be able to rely on my guardian angel for guidance and protection in facing whatever lay behind the next door. And so I do encourage you, likewise, to pray that prayer to those guardian angels that Jesus reminds us of in the Gospels. Now, there's a lot more we could add, but as I always say, this is really just an introduction. So just one more thing, one last thing to say about the invisible world is its presence at Mass, the presence of the invisible world at Mass. If you're a priest and you celebrate Mass for a very small congregation, say three people, and then later on someone asks you how many came to Mass, the classic answer is always, well, three that I could see. Because, of course, the angels and the saints are present at every Mass. St. John Chrysostom, a great teacher of Christianity, writes that the angels surround the priest at Mass. The whole sanctuary and the space before the altar is filled with the heavenly powers 
come to honour him who is present upon the altar, i.e. Jesus Christ in the sacrament. Every time we go to Mass, we are in the presence of the angels, filling the sanctuary around the altar. In fact, of course, we join with them in prayer and praise. In the Eucharistic prayer, you will hear the priest say or sing these words or variations of them. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. And then we do that. We sing together with the angels at the altar. Sanctus, 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 Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of hosts. So if you go to Mass, and the church happens to look a bit empty that day, just remember that God has created the visible and invisible world, visible and invisible beings, and that we join together to praise and glorify him. Thank you so much for joining me this week and do join me again next week for the next episode and the next article of the Creed. May God bless you all and may he specially bless that journey of discovery we make together into the beauties of the Catholic faith. Amen. <laughs>